Hey, I, lo- I love that video because it actually reminds us what it's all about. It's about Jesus. And I hope that you sense that and get that from us as a church, that it's all about Jesus. It's all about us lifting him up. It's not about us exalting a man, a worship team, a group of people, a church. It's all about Jesus. And it's about lives being changed. I love the fact that God wants to change lives. And here's the process we believe that needs to happen in all of our lives. First of all, we want people to know God. We want people who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior to come and know him. And if you're here today and you're kind of going, man, this church is a little crazy or it's just so unusual, I I hope you're experiencing the life that we have discovered in Christ Jesus and you're saying, I want some of that. We want want you to know God, but not only that, we want those of you that actually know God to come to know God better. To get a deeper revelation of the goodness of God. In fact, the Apostle Paul, the end of his life, probably the greatest Christian that ever lived, is still crying out that I might know him. That I might know God because he wanted to know God in a deeper way because every time he grew and knew God a little bit better, he was amazed at how much better God actually was. Also so that you find freedom. That you begin to discover the purpose that God's created you for so that we can all do the thing that God has created us for. And that's to make a difference in the world that God's placed us in. Listen, if salvation was just about making heaven, I believe the day that we gave our life to Christ, we would just poof, be gone. Make it to heaven. But what happens is God's left us here for a purpose and a plan and a design. And that's to spread the love and hope of Jesus everywhere that we go. So today we're celebrate, celebrating 15 years and it really has been an incredible journey. When I, when I think back about what's happening, starting with 11 people that God birthed this in my heart in 1997, starting with 11 people, and we began to build a launch team in the fall of 2002 and the spring of 2003 so that we launched the church in 2003 and started off with about 100 people, and it's amazing to watch what God has done over the years. And, and I want to show you a few pictures today for those of you that haven't been around uh, maybe but just a couple of years and weren't even at our old building, some, some pictures so you kind of see where we've come from because here's what I believe when you begin to understand where you've been it helps you appreciate where you are and sometimes we forget what's happening in our lives we forget what God's doing in our heart and life because we've forgotten where we've been but not only that it gets us excited about where God wants to take us because it's very easy for us to think okay we've arrived man we got a new building new facilities we got cameras now we're set listen the best is yet to come God wants to do some incredible things, so let me show you these pictures real quick. First of all, this is our, our, our building that we started off at Wolfland Elementary School, all right? Now, this is old school. We used to go in on Sunday mornings, and we would set up, begin to recognize that was real challenging to set up and then do a service, so we moved it to Saturday nights, and here's a couple places we would set up. This is the cafeteria. We'd set this up with our children's ministry, and our children's ministry would have service there. We also, across the hall, would have a little nursery set up. And then we had the cafetorium. It was called a roundhouse. And yes, I'm actually wearing a suit. And uh, we, would, we would do service in there. And we were there for about a year and a half, two years. And it was a week weekly setting up, tearing down, setting up, tearing down. And it was kind of fun in those days because a lot of times after church, we'd all go out and eat together and hang out together. And then we moved over to 4th and Western. And and many of you remember this building also. And this is before we got a sign on it. It wasn't much to look at on the outside. In fact, a lot of people would pull up and go, this is a church? Um, And then they'd get inside. And this was the kind of the cafe area that we had set up. So we really did it really nice inside. And then also this was our auditorium. And yes, once again, I'm wearing a suit. And, um, but, and then later on, we'd get a screen back behind there. And then we moved over to this building. 
Now, some of you remember this transition. And in fact, this is one of our first services here. As you can see, this, this looks a little bit different. They used to have these archways here. Uh, the stage was about a third the size that it is now. Um, and so can, you see the worship team packed up here. I mean, they can't hardly dance. There's so many people up here. And they, if, can you imagine them being on a really small stage? And then this was the wall. These walls here are now um, insulated and blocked in. But they used to actually run all the way down and were just a straight wall. We, we put a top on, the, on it. And then this is, go ahead and show that next one, guys. This is them actually remodeling the stage. And then this was the final result of where we had been. Eventually, we got a screen put up. And now we actually have our new LED screen here. And... Let me say this real fast. This, this actually isn't our LED screen. Um, our LED screen was supposed to arrive on Tuesday of this week, and it didn't arrive on Tuesday, didn't arrive on Wednesday, didn't arrive on Thursday, didn't arrive on Friday, and we had taken everything down. So we're like, we got to get this thing in here. Well, Nick, the guy who's with the company here, he actually got his company that does rental equipment to bring something up on the way up. They left on Friday. A bearing went out in their trailer. So the enemy has done everything he can to keep us from enjoying our LED screens today but listen the best is yet to come because these pixels are actually they're 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 about um I think it's 4.8 millimeters apart ours are actually going to be 3.9 millimeters apart meaning they're going to be closer and it's going to be better than even this so the best is yet to come Everything in our lives, we need to begin to understand that, man, it's amazing maybe in your life right now, but you need to understand the best is yet to come. And when you begin to understand that God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or all that we can think, you can go, wow, this is pretty amazing right now, but the best is yet to come. So it's been an amazing journey growing from 11 people to typically on the weekend, we'll run six, seven, eight hundred people and watching every week people coming to know Christ. We don't ever have a service or very seldom, I should say, have a service where people don't come to know Christ. And I don't know if we've ever had on the weekend where someone hasn't come to know Christ. So it's been amazing. We, we watching people's, God restore people's lives and watching people discover their unique design. But I want to say it again, the best is yet to come. Are you beginning to hear the name of the series we're in? The best is yet to come. And what I'm praying is that it won't be just a series that we go, oh, that's kind of cute or that's okay. That we'll begin to really buy into this revelation that in all of our lives, God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or all that we can think. And the best is yet to come. God wants to do some incredible things in our life. The extraordinary, to put on our ordinary, in our everyday lives, extraordinary things. But here's one thing I know about people. Everyone likes it when things get better. I mean, we really do enjoy a a better job, a better home, a better car. We like it when our health gets better, and it's awesome, but not everyone wants to or is willing to position themselves in order to walk in the better. And that's typically what it is in our lives with Jesus, that we're not striving to become something. We're striving to discover who we actually already are. Because our flesh and the world is constantly telling us that we're less than. When we have to understand that the word of God says that we're more than. So we're learning how to position ourselves. How many of you recognize that if you go to a gym and work out, the toughest and most difficult and challenging thing about working out is actually getting to the gym? I mean, man, that bed will not let you go some mornings. And the excuses are running. You've worked out twice. It's easy. Hey, take it easy. You're going to be okay. Just, re- just relax today. 
Listen, the most difficult part is to position ourselves for all that God wants us to do in our lives. So sometimes we have to get a revelation of how much better the better is actually going to be. So if you'll rewind in your own life for just a moment, whether it's the pictures that I just showed you about our church or your own life, and think about where you were five years ago to where you're at today, it's better, but the best is yet to come. Think about what it's going to be like in five years from now, ten years from now. Some of you aren't seeing it quite yet, I can tell, because you're sitting there like, I'm just not sure, Pastor Richie, if it's going to be that good. (laughs) I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. I read a story about a mountain climbing resort in the Swiss Alps that encourages groups, whether it's business groups or or church groups, to hike the mountain together. And although it's an eight-hour trek up to the summit, anyone with normal walking skills and abilities can easily make the hike. So they start off with great excitement, but in about halfway up the mountain, there's a little chalet that they stop and break for lunch. So inside the chalet, they get in there, they peel off their equipment, peel off their gear, and they plop down in front of the warm fire. They enjoy something to drink, enjoy a meal, and they just enjoy the beautiful mountain view. But what's interesting about it is that less than half of the hikers choose to finish their hike to the summit. Less than half of the people. And it isn't because they aren't able to. It's not because the climb is too difficult. It's simply they have gotten satisfied right where they are because this is just good enough. And I think how all of us can get satisfied in our relationship with God. That, man, for some people, Christianity is just about fire insurance. I just gave my life to Christ and now I'm going to make heaven when they don't recognize that God wants you to live the abundant life here and now. He wants you to live more than. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or all that you can think. He wants to do that in this life. And they wonder if the more than life is actually attainable. And, or they wonder if it's going to be worth what they think is the perceived effort in order to make the more than life happen in their life. And I believe it's because we have a crisis as followers of Jesus Christ in our confidence about God's love and about God's goodness. We, we have this perception about love, God's love for us, based on other people, the way they have expressed love to us. Or the goodness of God is always perceived by what we can think of as the best person in our life. And we've got a crisis of confidence when it comes to the goodness and the love of God. And I see a lot of followers of Jesus Christ that lack the confidence that they should have based upon what Jesus Christ has done, based upon what Jesus Christ is doing in their life here and now. There's so many benefits and blessings that come with being a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen, Richie. Come on, y'all. There are so many benefits. There's so many blessings. God is doing amazing things in our life. Listen, the Bible says that he causes it to rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Listen, you have co-workers that don't even know God that God is blessing them. It's time that we awakened ourselves to remind ourselves our God is a good God who loves to do good things in the lives of everyone, but he really loves to do it in the lives of his children. It's, the gospel is good news today Christianity is not a have to if you think it's a have to you don't get Christianity yet because it is the good news of Jesus Christ that I get to do this today I get to serve God I get to fall in love with Jesus and allow him to lavish his love upon me I'm telling you some of you man you need to relight your fire today your wood's a little wet 
I'm telling you, man, our God is amazing today. And we've got this crisis of confidence that we're not confident in God's goodness. And so we're always standing back waiting for the other shoe to drop. I know that you say he's good, but man, you don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know what I'm dealing with today. I'm here today to tell you that you can have confidence in the goodness of God. I'm here today to tell you that you can have confidence in God's love for you. You don't know where I've been, Pastor Richie. You know what? It doesn't matter. You could have been in the mud with the harlots like the prodigal son. And I'm telling you, the moment that you turn your face back to God, God isn't going, well, well, I'm not sure. He's running to you to accept you, to make sure that you feel loved. I'm telling you, Christianity is amazing. We've just got to get a revelation of it. We've got to really understand how amazing it is so that we can talk about the amazing God that we serve. So we're, we're challenged with confidence. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, it says this. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. I, I want you to notice that you actually keep and hang on to hold your confidence or you're throwing away your confidence. Now, I don't think there's anybody here today that intentionally throws away their confidence. They don't go, man, I'm just so confident in my relationship with God, i got to stop that. No one does it, but, but our, honestly, our confidence leaks. Our, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more next week. Our confidence leaks out of our life, and, and we've really got to understand that we can't throw away our confidence. Why? Because it has a great reward. I want to tell you the first reward and most important reward is Jesus. Listen, if, if you're not in love with Jesus, it's because you don't know Jesus. You might be a follower of Jesus Christ, don't get me wrong, you might have surrendered your life to him, but I'm telling you, you don't know him. Like the Apostle Paul again, you don't know how amazing he is, because listen, our lives need to be totally about him. Surrendered to him, completely following after him. And listen, it's a process in your life. Because there are a lot of things that want to jump on the throne of your life all the time. And you have to say, no, you're not going to sit there. Jesus is sitting there. Get up out of that chair. Some of y'all know what I'm, you're, I'm talking about because you were raised in a family like me. I grew up in a family where I got spanked by family members. Right? I mean, my parents obviously always spanked me. I got spanked by, spanked by aunts. I got spanked by uncles. I got spanked by grandparents. I got spanked by great aunts. In fact, I can think in my mind right now, I can see a great aunt's face that I was sitting down in a chair and the adults were coming in the room. She said, get out of that chair. Somebody going, that's mean. It's just the way that I was raised. And listen, that's what we need to do when something is trying to sit on the throne of our life. We need to say, get out of that chair, money. Get out of that chair, career. Get out of that chair, family. Listen, Jesus is going to sit on the throne of my life. So ultimately, it's about Jesus. And listen, even if you don't quite get that yet, I'm telling you, you just start getting to know Jesus, start understanding who Jesus actually is, you'll fall so in love with him, you're going, man, let me, let me get everything off the throne of my life. I want Jesus on the throne of my life. But verse 36, I think, also outlines part of the reward, for it says, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So I believe that part of the reward that comes from having confidence in Jesus is you'll have the ability to endure. Anybody, of anyone here today need a little bit more endurance? You'd like to get a B12 Jesus shot so you could endure a little bit more because you're walking through some stuff, you're dealing with some stuff, and you're going, God, I have need of endurance. 
You'll, you'll be able to endure and you'll be able to do the will of God. Is that important? Absolutely, it's important. Listen, when I live my life contrary to the will of God, that's when a lot of junk starts showing up in my life. When I, when I live my life contrary to the word of God and I don't forgive other people, I have all of this junk happening on the inside of me. When I live my life contrary to the word of God and I'm not kind towards other people and I'm not loving towards other people, I got this junk that shows up in my life. I want to be able to do the will of God. Why? So that I can legalistically perform and Jesus can say, oh, good. No, so that I can understand that I can walk in the abundant life that God has actually already provided for me. How many of you know your marriage works when you're kind? How many? No, about six of you. All right, let's try that again. How many of you know that your marriage works when you're kind? That when you're loving? When you're the giver, not waste upon them being the giver first. When you're the giver without a reward being expected. A back rub for a back rub's sake. All the ladies should be saying amen. You're going to be able to do the will of God. So look, I want to look at this issue of having confidence in Jesus. To figure out how to develop and maintain the confidence that God wants you and I to have. And listen, I'm not talking about self-confidence. That has some validity. All right, but I'm talking about confidence in Christ Jesus so that we can walk in the more than life that God has for us. Pam and I recently remodeled our house. And if you want to ever have a challenging time in your marriage, remodel your house together. Um, Because what you'll typically find out is how much you think differently than your spouse. And I shared with this with you guys, we, we bought this one table, and, and I knew the right size of table to buy, and my wife wanted to get one a little bit bigger. That's how I phrase that. I knew the right size to buy, and, and my wife wanted to get one a little bit bigger. So I did the smart thing, and I let my wife have her way, all right? And, and it, it was really nice, worked out good, and, and I, I was the bigger person in the moment, all right? And I don't mind humbly telling you that today, all right? And, uh, but we also bought um, some white leather couches. I know what some of you are thinking, white leather couches, are you crazy? Well, we, we recognized that, that it, it was uh, kind of a little bit of an issue. Um, in fact, we thought long and hard about it before we bought the white leather couches because here's what we know, someday we're going to have grandkids. <laughs> Possibly in the next year or so, we're going to have grandkids, all right? But... We also have a lot of people come over. In fact, we do small groups at our house, and, and, and we like to have a lot of people over. And, and it's kind of an interesting thing that when people come over and we're eating, and, and people are kind of having a good time, and, and they, they recognize that maybe the table's completely full, and the island's kind of full, and they're kind of looking around, and all they see left is the furniture, the new furniture to sit on. They, they kind of, there's this fear that comes over their face as they're moving towards it, like, is this Okay. Did y'all have a room when you were growing up that your grandparents wouldn't let you go in or stuff? You would, yeah, okay, so y'all know what I'm talking about. They're kind of like, is this okay? In fact, uh, this past week, Eddie Rios came over and he, he sat down on one of the chairs and he was sitting down and he goes, is this okay? And I said, yeah, move over onto the leather couch. It'll be awesome. He's like, no way. Listen, here's why, here's why people don't want to do it. They don't want to be the one that spills something on it for the very first time, Right? I mean, once you do it, hey, all bets are off. It's like, right, it doesn't really matter. Well, actually, it does matter. In fact, Pam and I, for those of you that come over, it really does matter. 
It really does matter. In fact, Pam and I, we, we're going to do all that we can to protect it. We're going to do everything that we can. We're going to expect you to do the best you can, all right? So you're not you know, pouring the spaghetti out on the couch and going, oh, okay, let's eat it right here. But we recognize that we bought those couches so that we could enjoy life with our family and friends. So if something happens to it or something gets on it, we're going to repair it, we're going to fix it, but we're going to enjoy life with our, with our friends on our couches. Listen, and, and, and we, we again are going to be careful, but listen, here's what we typically understand about an issue of having nice couches or having things going on in our life. We recognize that sometimes it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time before someone spills something. It's only a matter of time before something gets dropped on the couch. It's only a matter of time. Have you ever said that to anybody? You know, you see somebody, they've got a little bit of success in their life, but it's your older brother, your older sister. You might be a little bit jealous of them and you think, yeah, they're doing pretty good, but it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time and they're going to blow it and then, yeah, things, they're going to be back where they were before. Or, or it's only a matter of time for yourself. Thought that about yourself. I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty good and my road rage has really disappeared. But it's only a matter of time before someone's driving 10 miles under the speed limit again and I got to get around them and give them the look as I go by, <laughs> Right? Hey, which by the way, one time I was, when I was in Bible school, I was going to a wedding, and there was somebody driving like that. They were driving really slow, so I went around them, and I was giving them the look as we went by. All of a sudden, I hear my friend screaming. I drove right through a red light. You'd think I'd learn. No, I still love to give the look occasionally. But I'm doing much better. And so what the enemy's telling me all the time, it's only a matter of time, Richie. It's only a matter of time. And I sometimes wonder when it comes to dealing with this issue of confidence in our relationship with God, if we seem to be rolling through life and we, we seem to be doing pretty well in our relationship with God. I mean, man, we are coming to church now on a fairly consistent basis. We, we've already thought about going through the growth track. Now, maybe you went through the growth track. Maybe you're in a small group and things are happening and, and you're, you're just kind of like, man, life's good right now, but there's this, this thought that keeps popping into your mind. This, this issue that kind of keeps coming up and you keep thinking, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Listen, I don't, I don't play golf anymore, but when I used to play golf, I, I played fairly often. And so I got pretty decent at playing golf. And, and there were times when you'd go out there and you'd get on that first tee box. And man, you'd just get that ball lined up. And you know, you're thinking about a frustration you had with somebody as you're looking at that ball. And, no, I'm just kidding. And you... And... Uh, you reared back and hit the ball, and man, it was just a, if you're not a golfer, this may not make a ton of sense to you, but it had a nice draw. In fact, I was the last one to go, and I drove it about, you know, 100 yards past everyone else. Okay, maybe only about 10 yards past everyone else. Middle of the fairway, perfect setup shot for the, the next shot, and, and I remember going up there, and I remember playing occasionally, and man, I was just playing well. I mean, it's like I was unconscious, like the spirit of Tiger Woods was on me, kind of a deal. And, and I was playing really well, and, and I would go through, and I'd be getting pars or birdies, which if you don't know golf, that's a good score. If you can do par, I mean, that's what's expected, and birdies even better, and occasionally even an eagle. And, and I'd be doing this for the first several holes, and as I was playing it, there began to get this feeling in the back of my heart and in my mind that would begin to create some tension, and it was that line, it's only a matter of time. 
Yeah, you're playing well. It's only a matter of time before the bogey shows up, which is one over. Not good. The double bogey shows up. Really not good. And even occasionally the triple bogey would show up. And inevitably it did. Because it was only a matter of time. It was only a matter of time. I didn't play enough to be awesome like Tiger Woods. And it was only a matter of time. And I wonder if that's the kind of mindset that keeps us so uptight in our relationship with Jesus. Where we feel like it's only a matter of time. Listen, when did our relationship with Jesus become so fragile? That it, that it feels like it's some expensive furniture or something. That, that we, we feel like it's like the white couch that everyone is really fearful of. And we have to sidestep it. We don't actually want to get near a relationship with Jesus. Because it's only a matter of time. When, when did it become like the leather furniture where we did like my grandmother did? She puts plastic on it. You sit on the most uncomfortable thing in the world. Listen, if you do that, way to go. You're going to enjoy that couch for 10 years in being in style. And then you're going to go 10 years without being out of style. And then 10 years after that, it'll be back in style. So you'll be able to enjoy it about every 30, 40 years. When did it become like that? See, it's easy for us to think like that when we don't understand what being a follower of Jesus Christ is really all about. If we don't get it, because we have an enemy. The Bible says he's the devil. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. So what it means is that he lies nonstop to you. Nonstop lying, accusation, lying, accusation. Or if you mess up, he's there to remind you of your mess up. Because he's an accuser. And if you do something and you do pretty well at it, he reminds you how much better you could have done. He'll point somebody else out. Yeah, you prayed an hour. They pray two hours. He's an accuser of the brethren. And he'll whisper in your ear nonstop. I know that Pastor Richie's in this series called The Best Is Yet to Come. And I guess it's possible. Yeah, I guess it's possible if you can live a perfect and sinless life. If you can do all the right things, then, then it's actually possible. But you know it's only a matter of time. You know it's only a matter of time before that thing that you said you were never going to do again, you do it again. It's only a matter of time before you fall flat on your face again. It's only a matter of time. And the accusation is literally nonstop. You, you don't ever arrive where the accusation stops. We just went through a series called Planted, and it was one of those series for me personally that, man, I felt like I was really communicating the, the heart of God on something. And, man, it just felt good because I have to tell you, I am my worst critic. And it felt good to, to preach a message that I was excited. But I can't tell you how much when I began preparing this message, the accuser began to come and began to say in my ear, it's not going to go over well. They're going to miss it. It's not going to fly in your, it's not going to make sense to anybody. On and on and on, the enemy would make an accusation. And we've got to understand that he's a thief. The Bible says that he has come to steal from you. He has come to kill your hopes and dreams. And he has come to bring destruction into your life. And it's time that we learn to silence the lies of the enemy. And then on top of that, think about the life that we're called to as followers of Jesus Christ. Because we're called to live, love, and look just like Jesus. We are called to live holy lives. We are, we are called to live obedient lives. We are called to live faithful lives. We are called to live that persevering life. Do I need to go on from the weight that we can feel from the call that's on our life? 
And maybe that's how you're living, that you've, you've experienced God's goodness and you're just excited about what God is doing, but in the back of your mind, to use my golf analogy again, man, you're playing pretty good through the first few holes, but you know that your game's about ready to fall apart. So we become fearful and we begin to buy into the lie of the enemy to think that perfection in our obedience and in our lifestyle is the goal. Not really understanding that it's about what Christ has already perfected in us. To understand that we can walk in the fullness of life of what God has for us. When did our relationship with Jesus become so fragile? That we think the moment that we fail God, God's going to go, man, I had so much for you. I had so much for you, but I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to do things in your life now. And I wonder what would happen in our, in our lives if we really began to understand not what church is about, not what about this religion called Christianity is about, but I wonder what would begin to happen if we understood what having a relationship with the kindest, most gentle, patient entity in the universe, God Almighty, would be like. I wonder what would begin to happen in our lives if we began to understand that. See, we've got to get some confidence in the grace of God. We've got to get some confidence in the grace of God. We've got to understand that God has extended his grace to us. You know what grace is, don't you? It's the unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor of God. And yet we keep thinking that if I do all the right things, then the grace of God will be in my life. Listen, you don't need God's grace when you're doing things right. You need God's grace when it's unearned. You couldn't earn it. In fact, you can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't do enough right things to merit the goodness of God. It's the grace of God. Well, Pastor Richie, I get the grace of God. I'll tell you how you know how well you know the grace of God is, how well you understand the grace of God, how much you receive the grace of God, is how do you show grace to other people? you're a pretty grace-filled person chances are pretty good you understand God's grace but if you don't maybe you don't have a revelation yet because listen we can't give away that which we do not possess and the more we begin to understand the grace of God and how amazing God is the more it, it, it the easier it becomes for us to give the grace of God away Here, here's what the word of God says about this issue of grace Romans chapter 5 Verse 17 says, how much more will those, by the way, we're included in those. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace? Because we have a tendency for some of us that messed up early in life that, man, we've already kind of tapped in to the amount of grace that God wanted to give us. Listen, it's an abundant provision of grace and when you begin to draw from the grace vat God pours more grace into the vat you can't outrun God's grace listen Paul Paul preached God's grace so strongly that people were saying man you need to go ahead and sin just so that God's grace will show up Paul was saying no 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 I'm just telling you God's grace is bigger than your sin those who receive the abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness. What righteousness means is right standing with God. You're in right standing with God because of the gift that was given to you. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's simply because of God's goodness. So notice it's a gift. What will happen? You will reign in life. 
Listen, I said this last week, man, I'm excited that we get to reign in the afterlife. By the way, again, I've got my eyes on a Caribbean island that I get to reign in. And i got dibs on it, all right? Y'all do respect dibs, right? You're not barbarians, right? Okay, the reign in life, to have confidence. How? Through your self-effort, through your ability? No, through the one man, Jesus Christ. You need to understand today that you're hidden in Christ Jesus. If you're a follower of him, listen, you are a child of God. You might be away from God right now, but if you have given your life to Christ, you are a child of God. He loves you. He loves you passionately. He loves you dearly. And he'll do everything that he can to make sure that you learn how to follow after him and live the life he wants you to live. Why? Because he's a a rule, um, a lawgiver? No, because he's a grace God. And he wants you to walk in the fullness of life that he has for you. I'm telling you, when we get a perspective of that, it begins to change everything. That you're not righteous because of your behavior. You're righteous because of what Jesus has done. In fact, here's what, how it says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God made him, talking about Jesus, <clears throat> who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. We've got to be careful looking at ourselves. We've got to be careful getting focused on ourselves, and we've got to get focused on God. Because listen, you may not be where you want to be yet, but I guarantee you, if you've been following Jesus for a while, you're not where you used to be. You've, you've overcome some things. You've walked in some victory in some areas of your life. And the confidence that God wants us to have is not in your ability of what you do or what you've done, but in the finished work of Jesus Christ who your God is and who you actually are in him. Because listen, every one of us are on a journey to discover the purpose and plan of God for our lives. That's why it's very important that you not compare yourself to other people. Because listen, if you've just begun your journey, whether you've known Jesus a long time or, or you've just begun the journey and you're only at point B, God doesn't expect you to be maybe where a friend or a coworker is at point G. He wants you to go from B to C. That's what we talk all the time. What's your next step today? What's your next step in becoming a follower of Jesus Christ? Because I'm promising you, everyone can do this. I might not be able to step from here to where Matt is, but I can do this. And listen, if you're at G and you're hanging around some people that are at B, quit getting angry with them because they're not on G. Encourage them to go from B to C. In fact, you go from G to H. I think that's the next letter in the alphabet. Got a sixth grade education. Listen, God does want us to live in a community of believers. He does want you to be planted. He wants people to be pouring into your life. But listen, you're running your race. And I'm telling you, when you begin to see life and the Christian life as a journey instead of just these destinations, man, you just start walking with God. And the more you walk with God, suddenly you're going to look back five years from now and go, wow, look where I came from. Look what the Lord has done. Look, the best is yet to come. But the moment that we try to take on religion and all these heavy weights, suddenly, man, we don't want to take the next step. It's already hard at B. Why would I want to be on G? And listen, there's going to be times in your race that you're going to fail. It's not a possibility, it is a certainty. Every one of us, we're going to miss the mark from time to time. But I love the way Proverbs says this, for though the righteous, right people that are in right standing with God, any righteous people here today? 
Though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Hey, and just so you know, it's not talking about the eighth time, just stay down. It's helping us understand that when we fall, we get back up. Why? Because what we did is what we did. It's not who we are. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you, the more that you begin to understand you're righteous, the more you'll begin to act righteous. But if you keep saying, well, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a sinner, you're going to keep producing the evidence to reinforce what you're saying. I'm telling you, it's life-changing. The righteous fall seven times, they rise again. What do you think would happen if you started connecting with the heart of God and learned how to develop confidence in God's goodness? To develop confidence in your love that you begin to understand again, it isn't about, never, never has it been about, never will it be about your behavior. It's about the finished work of Jesus Christ. What would happen if you began to turn the accusation of the enemy into a faith declaration? You ever like to turn something on someone? Listen to this. Watch this. When the enemy whispers in your, in your ear, it's only a matter of time. Just say over, his, over him, you're right. It's only a matter of time because the best is yet to come. I may not be where I want to be yet, but it's only a matter of time for the best to come. In fact, let me walk through two scenarios for those of you dealing with some challenges. You're going through this challenging season right now. Having a challenge in your marriage having a challenge in your finances, you're having a challenge in your health, challenge in your job, or just different places. Listen, you you need to say, listen, I believe in God's goodness. I believe in God's promises. So even though it's a challenge right now, it's only a matter of time before I see breakthrough because the best is yet to come. Or you're in an amazing season right now. Things are going well in your marriage. Things are going well in your finances, in your health, different places. And you hear the enemy say, look, this can't last. It's only a matter of time. Say, you're right, devil. Because I'm actually going to a new level in my marriage. A new level in my health. A new level in my finances. Yeah. And it's only a matter of time because the best is yet to come in my life. It's amazing. Here's what I'm saying today. Hebrews 10 again. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. Develop confidence. Hold on to confidence. Listen, here's how you do it. What are you believing God for today? Listen, if you're in a challenging season, it's easy for you to think about it. Maybe you've got a health issue, a financial issue, a marriage issue, and you're saying, man, I'm believing God to fix this or restore this. But what about those of you that things are going great in your life right now? What do you believe in God for? What are you believing is the next level for your marriage, the next level for your finances, the next level for your health? Because listen, the best is yet to come. Don't let the enemy steal your confidence. The best is yet to come for your marriage. Okay, y'all are going to have to do better than that. The best is yet to come for your marriage. The best is yet to come in your health. The best is yet to come in your finances. The best is yet to come in every area and arena of your life. You don't know what I did wrong, Pastor Richie. It doesn't matter because it hasn't been, nor will it ever be about you. It's about Jesus and his perfect love for you today. And the best is yet to come. Come on, say it with me. The best is yet to come. Say it again. The best is yet to come. One more time. The best is yet to come. Listen, I want to say this again. I hope this isn't just a catchy little phrase. I pray that this will become your prayer all the time. That when that enemy starts whispering in your ear because you're down and defeated or because you're on the mountaintop, it's only a matter of time. You start saying, I know it's only a matter of time because the best is yet to come. And I can't wait to see what God is going to do in every area of my life. 
want to close with this thought. Listen, it's easy for us as believers, even followers of Jesus Christ, to be incredibly unbelieving about the goodness of God. Doesn't mean that we're now going to hell and God doesn't love us anymore. We simply are not trusting God in areas of our life. And those are the areas when we are not believing, we literally shut God out of our life. And I'm telling you, it's simply about the issue of believing. Believing and receiving. Knowing the promises, standing on the promises. So listen, if you've never had a quiet time, you need to get into the Word of God and start finding some promises. Again, things going bad, find a promise for the the challenge that you're facing. Things going great in your life, find a promise for where you think God wants to take your marriage, your finances, everything. Because I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. It's been exciting what God's done so far, but I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. 